Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome, everyone, to this segment of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We have a very interesting guest today who's done a lot of great work with hundreds of companies. His name is Ed Delia. He's with Delia Associates. He's been president of that firm since 1998, and he has a very interesting uh, brand solution, which we're going to discuss today along with some other things that Ed has done. Ed, welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you. Great to be here. I thank you for being here as well, Ed. Lou, you had a chance to talk with uh, Ed in I did. A, kind of a pre-record uh, session. Right. What did you guys right. cook up? Uh, well, we talked a little bit about uh, politics, uh, Washington, D.C. Oh, sorry, <laughs> wrong, wrong Ed Delia. Uh, Ed uh, is a uh, marketing company who uh, uh, creates brands, uh, for B2B companies. And, uh, Ed, I'd like you to go into some detail about that uh, for the benefit of our guests, our audience. Sure, I'd be happy to. So um, Delia Associates has been around since 1964, me not that long. I'm a second-generation owner. And early on in uh, my career with uh, the, the family business, I, 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 I took a passion to brand. And uh, probably shortly after joining the company, um, uh, was sitting down one day and said, imagine if there was a system that could help uh, B2B brands, uh, namely in manufacturing, but also other um, um, uh, B2B supply chain brands, um, have a system to establish and express and project a distinctive, uh, highly energized, uh, highly emotional, and highly impactful brand. And that's what we set out to do. And... um, Flash forward uh, many years later, um, we have uh, our, our core platform, the Brand Leadership Solution, which we just received a, uh, a U.S. patent for, for, for the process. So uh, very proud of that accomplishment. And to date, we've worked on either building, rebuilding, or revitalizing some 300 brands, uh, many of those um, being uh, manufacturing brands. It's interesting, Ed. Uh, the, the Brand Leadership Solution uh, consists of what parts or phases or what is it? How do you do it? So it's a it's a four-step uh, linear process. Uh, the four steps: uh, discover, define, differentiate, and deploy. And it's designed to um, take the, um, uh, the the manufacturing brand's leadership team through through something of a journey of uh, understanding and unearthing and projecting their distinct uncommon uh, brand. Um, many manufacturers um, uh, get, get, get lost when it comes to, to brand. They focus too much on the stuff that they produce. And ultimately, people don't really buy stuff. They buy solutions. Um, B2B brands um, also are... We still, we still good? We're still We're good. Still good. All right, We're cool. just doing a fox and hound show now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, a lot of um, a lot of people might suggest that um, there's no place for brand or emotion when it comes to the manufacturing uh, organization, and and I would contest that there's far more emotion and brand impact for the manufacturing organization. As a, as a for instance, um, if um, 
if you're a consumer and you're going to the store and you buy, say, a bottle of ketchup, and you come home and your wife uh, points out you bought the wrong brand, so you're out a few dollars or maybe uh, the convenience of a trip back to the store. But if and you are an annoyed uh, wife. Maybe an annoyed wife, yeah. Um, <laughs> but but for a for a bottle of ketchup, I bet she'll get over it. If you're the um, if the if you're the plant manager of an operation that manufactures the ketchup, and you buy a piece of automation equipment, and you've specified and installed the wrong um, system or component, um, that could be down production time. You could be missing deliveries. You could be messing up your distribution chain. You could have um, plant machinists and operators there at all hours of the night and overtime um, trying to resolve the problem. That's a highly emotive uh, state. Um, uh, so you're out money, you're out time, you may be out of a job. So we contest that when it comes to the, the, um, the manufacturing and B2B space, there's far more emotion around brand than, than the consumer uh, space. And manufacturing brands need to reflect that and, and be more expressive um, on an emotional level uh, than many of them are today. And our process really helps them do that. So uh, it's an exciting uh, and engaging process, and the leadership of the brands we work with uh, gets very engaged and very energized as, as a result. Uh, typically, Ed, do you <laughs> – uh, I wonder how CNN does this. Um, when you are working with a client, are they usually uh, larger companies, mid-size, small companies? Our clients range from small to global. So um, it really um, doesn't um, matter in terms of, of size. Um, what, what really matters is what, um, what their agenda is as an organization and uh, to what extent um, they wish to unearth uh, brand power uh, to, to drive the organization um, forward. Uh, but there's always, um, um, there's always a, a trigger, if you will. There's always a reason um, why um, uh, clients um, ultimately um, get on the, um, the, the journey. Um, and and it's, it, the triggers range from it could be they've hit a milestone year as an organization and they feel it's time to elevate their brand. Um, it could be through competitive pressures. They have... Um, uh, they feel that their their category is being commoditized, and they need to step out and be distinct. Or um, perhaps a disruptive innovation has blown through their industry, and uh, they have to create new relevance to their their audiences. Or um, um, other other a lot of times it's a, a leadership change. A new leader comes into an organization is and wants to um, reflect a new agenda for the brand for the culture. Uh, it could be the result of a, of a merger or an acquisition that has shaped, changed uh, the brand. Or um, sometimes um, we, we've had one, one instance where a, um, a client of ours uh, so, sold their organization and then several years later uh, bought it back. A very interesting scenario. And upon buying it back, felt that the previous brand entity had been um, compromised. So wanted to uh, reenter the market as as a new brand, a new face, uh, a new look forward. So um, uh, so those are some of the instances where um, brand becomes uh, relevant to the uh, the CEO or the leadership team of a manufacturing organization. Let me uh, go back around the barn for a minute, uh, and let's talk a little bit more about the small or and or medium sized company uh, who are totally involved in, you know, making stuff. 
and mm-hmm. running their company. And, uh, you know, they're proud of their product and, you know, they have good sales, uh, but they do have the capacity to do more. So if you sign on with a client that is uh, doing just that, how do you go about going in and doing an analysis of where that company is at in the marketplace and how do you go about making the recommendations and coming up with a plan to um, throw them into a new direction or uh, build them into a, a new um, new branded company? Okay, it's a great question. Um, it we, we, we bring them right into our process and we actually um, allow our clients to experience the journey with us. So the first step in our process is is discovery. So all of our brand leadership studies start with a uh, an internal discovery. So um, asking key what we call brand ambassadors or brand spokespersons for the organization a series of questions about uh, their target audience, about um, what, what in their minds um, differentiates them uh, as an entity, about who their competition is, and about uh, culturally what they represent. Then often we'll do um, an external uh, study um, asking uh, what we'll call key client ambassadors who have uh, proven to be great A-level clients about their impressions and attitudes towards the brand. So, and then we're also looking at um, the competitive landscape. So when we're done, we have this 360 view of the brand internally, externally, and from a competitive standpoint to uh, be able to show our clients this is a, here, here, you know, what starts to emerge is a, is a way forward as we get into the define phase and start to articulate um, um, and really hone into what our unique position is as an organization. So it's really... Um, it's very much a shared journey, and it's all based on by virtue of getting the, the internal and external voices as well as the competitive landscape of the day. It's all based on authenticity. So it's not a case of us um, whipping up some magic and saying, ta-da, here's who you should be. It's really more of a, of a shared experience to get to a far more accurate result. Do you get uh, much pushback from uh, the organizations? Uh, you know, because everyone is always very proud of their product and pr- proud of what they look like, proud of the fact that they're two or three generations old. Uh, do you get much pushback as far as trying to initiate evolution and change? Usually not, because um, chances are if, if we're at somebody's door, something's going on that brought us there. Uh, so the winds of change are already occurring. Um, what um, we do get is a little bit of maybe some, uh, you know, if it's a multi-generational organization and we've worked on many of those and it's not uncommon in the manufacturing space, especially the small to mid-market manufacturers, you'll see two, three, and sometimes we have one client that's got eight family members, if you can believe that, in their organization. Um so from the, 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 the eldest, you might get a little bit of, what I'll say, skepticism, but that's quickly uh, erased as they start to participate and go through the process and recognize that um, we are evolving the brand, but we are in no ways um, erasing or eradicating their legacy. If anything, we're celebrating it, uh, and we're celebrating it in a, in a new face forward. So usually they, are, um, they become uh, the strongest advocates of, um, of the process. Um, 
and, and as I said, usually the the winds of change are already swirling around the organization for us to uh, be, be coming, coming in to, uh, to talk about brand and talk about the future of the business. I understand that you've uh, written several books on the topics. Is that correct? Well, several e-books. So I haven't written the big book yet, uh, although we've uh, <laughs> had a couple of working titles. But, yes, uh, we, we write a lot on our subject and we speak a lot on our, on our subject. Well, while we're at it, why don't you give us uh, your uh, website address for our uh, listeners so they can go see more about you and more about uh, your e-books. Absolutely. Our email is, or excuse me, our website address is www.delianet.com. That's D-E-L-I-A-N-E-T.com. And on that, there are uh, numerous uh, articles. There's a resource section with uh, Videos, ebooks, um, uh, some some instructional tools, uh, lots of resources for people to uh, get their hands on to start to think uh, think creatively and strategically about their brand. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Tim. Ed, Ed, just out of curiosity, you made an interesting kind of offhanded uh, phrase comment, if you will, innovation blowing through an industry. And right now in manufacturing, we're seeing a lot of innovation blowing through manufacturing as we move from dark, dirty, and dangerous to modern digital manufacturing. What do you see from your end? Because Mm -hmm. this is upsetting the apple cart for a lot of manufacturers who are sitting on equipment and processes that are 40, 50 years old. Uh, and and older in some cases, I've seen <laughs> companies operating equipment that it's almost um, it's almost amazing that it still operates. Um, there are really right now um, what I'll call five umbrella uh, trends that we are watching in the manufacturing uh, space. Uh, one being um, what we call visualization visualization before commercialization. So that's the onset of 3D printing, um, uh, augmented reality, and virtual simulation. Uh, the, the second being robotics and the automation of the, of what I'll call now the, the digital manufacturing uh, floor. Um, access to data, unlike any we've seen, and not just data that lives in a vacuum, but data that's accessible um, on the on the manufacturing floor, data that people can can act on um, instantaneously. Um, the environment and, and the environment being treated as more than a, um, a catchphrase, but being now core and fundamental as manufacturing opera- operations take it as a, as a serious, almost like a cultural component of who, who they are. Uh, and, then, and then despite the automation and, and, the, and the data and, and the, um, the visualization capabilities, there still is a need for talent. Um, people still drive the bus, so to speak, and this issue of recruiting, training, and retaining talent, uh, very challenging to, to, uh, for manufacturing organizations to attract the best and the brightest into their, their operations um, for, for a number of reasons. And these trends don't live in, 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 in silos now, mind you. They all are kind of interconnected. And what they're influencing is really the, the messaging themes of the day. So um, we'll see thematically the, the leading manufacturers express their brands with um, this, this idea of acceleration and, and innovation. Hey, the future is here. The future is now. Um, or, or precision and um, quality standards. Or, or, or you'll see a lot of messaging around culture and belonging and positioning a certain manufacturer as this is a great choice for your future. And it starts now because we're – 
technologically advanced and, and, and we, we work with the best and the brightest and, and we are a future is now type of organization. So these, these, these trends are all uh, somewhat converging on one another and, 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 and driving each other and, and interconnected. And it's most certainly uh, affecting the discourse of the day for manufacturing brands, at least those that are on the, the front edge. Uh, so, um, you know, our, our advice is always to, to, when it comes to manufacturing brands, to be um, aware of the trends of the day, to be receptive and embraceive of the trends of the day, and to um, have a position on the trends of the day and, and let that discourse become part of the current um, marketing speak, whereas the core brand and a, and a manufacturer's brand position is a constant, right? That's not going to change, but the messaging and how they message will change based on trends, based on economic conditions, right? Based on, on many factors that always evolves. And that's what keeps a manufacturing brand relevant and desired and ultimately admired as the best in class or the brand of choice for a particular buyer. Uh, Ed, when you and I were talking, uh, you know, as a, pre-show discussion, we talked about the uh, common rebranding uh, triggers. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you want to share that with our uh, listeners? Sure, sure. Um, there's, there's a number, um, uh, but, but the, I would say some of the more, more common would be, um, for one, if um, leadership is, is, is taking stock of how their brand is positioned and they feel it is either unclear or, or lacking in any emotional expression. And I think we're going to see that as a trend coming up in 2018 and the years ahead is that um, manufacturers are going to look more um, dynamic and inspiring as, as brands. So a trigger would be if leadership says, you know, our brand has no pop, it's got no energy, um, we, we need to some outside help to, to energize our brand. Um, Sometimes, uh, especially for an older manufacturing brand, um, even what what they did or what they were called or how they they function as a brand uh, don't don't reflect who they are or where they're going. So there might be something in how they deliver as a brand that is fundamentally changed, and it's just time to rebrand. Um, if um, if they are becoming commoditized as a provider, uh, that's often a time to to brand and stand out and apart from the sea of competition because. Once a brand becomes highly commoditized, then decision makers will rely on price and convenience uh, to base their decisions. Because if you've got all of the same uh, providers and they all basically look the same and do the same thing, then uh, and, and they're perceived to be the same, then obviously I would base my decision on who's the lowest cost provider and who's available today to help me today, right? Uh, and that's not really the basis for what every manufacturer aspires to have, which is long-term, high-value, highly profitable, great relationships, right? That's what, you know, manufacturing is all about the business of staying active and doing, right? We don't want to be idling, right? We don't want to be waiting around, and we want to be highly efficient. So manufacturers with great long-standing relationships can, are, are expert and very astute at um, creating value, for a long, long time out of those relationships. So we don't want those to be turning over constantly. Um, and, there, and there's others, you know, such as if the brand is expanding and going to new horizons, new continents, new audiences, um, or, or often if there's a, a leadership change with a new, a new direction, those are some other, um, other triggers. Uh, one of the things that uh, makes me curious is that your the B2B world is obviously quite different than the B2C. 
And it's, I, I think in some ways it's probably easier to uh, brand a B2C product. Uh, you know, take, for example, uh, a Geico, uh, Geico, for example, that you, we all see on television and we see that friendly little get-go uh, on uh, television. Well, everybody knows that's Geico. And uh, it's not the same way in the B2B world. So how do you get that kind of... Um, imagery uh, for the B2B world as opposed to the B2C? Well, there's in, – in a, in, a, in a B2C, and let's say like the, uh, the Geico, um, again, that's, that's now um, immediate recall because they made it their mission to make that little character be sure. essentially the brand ambassador and spent millions and millions of dollars over many years to make it so. Um, most B2B uh, organizations don't have the same um, – nor, nor should they uh, in, invest in their in, in brand building and brand awareness in the same fashion. Uh, they tend to function more in uh, smaller sandboxes. So we believe that every manufacturing brand um, can attain, attain a position of brand leadership. It's just that they're doing so in more of a, a niche segment or to a more fixed sandbox or audience. However, within um, that audience or sandbox, they still have to work just as hard in many ways as a consumer brand to establish, um, one, awareness. Now, it might be a little easier to establish awareness just because you're not trying to reach millions of people. You might be trying to reach you know, maybe a few thousand, maybe a few hundred. Um, but uh, to establish that awareness and get that understanding, okay, this is what we do as an organization. The part where a lot of manufacturers don't get to the next level is distinction. Okay, here's why we're the best and relevance. Here's why we're the best for you. And ultimately, here's why we should be your preferred provider. So there are still the steps to, you know, the steps to brand adoption are similar. It's just that we're dealing with more of a fixed audience and um, we, we are focusing more on, on, on how and how many ways we can engage that audience uh, to the point to get them to ultimately respond and engage and, and start to interact. So, so there are definitely some differences, but but the in, in terms of the delivery systems of how we engage as audiences, but there are some some similarities still. Uh, it was kind of interesting this morning. Uh, I was being uh, interviewed on a radio show in Cleveland. It was, and it's a show I never heard of, a host I never heard of, and we got into a whole conversation about robotics, for example, and. Twice he brought up in the conversation about our brand, Manufacturing Talk Radio, with our yellow jackets. So here, this started out four years ago with our yellow jackets, and they know us better by our yellow jackets than they do by our personalities. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite funny. Uh, and that's a, a very that, that's definitely a way to establish distinction. Um, a certain uh, uh, freight carrier um, was. Uh, did that brilliantly, right? The UPS, what can brown do for you, right? Yeah. They, turned the, they turned the color of dirt <laughs> into brand meaning and, and did it brilliantly and then took it the next level when they got into logistics and made the heart with the arrow. We, we heart logistics, again, a brown heart, right, to, to, to right. signify their brown color. With Manufacturing Talk Radio, the yellow jackets has become synonymous. When, when people see that yellow jacket, they, they immediately say, they must be from manufacturing talk radio because you've established with consistency and impact the brand color. Correct. Correct. Tim. 
Ed, how long does it take from, and, and I'm speaking in general because all engagements are slightly different, but in general, how long does it take to go through, discover, define, differentiate, deploy? So the discover, define, differentiate process, um, depending on the, the nature of the brand, uh, can be as, as quick as six to eight weeks. So it's a rapid um, exercise, and then the engage really depends on what it's going to take to, to mobilize and launch the brand. And the typical initial engagement is a, is a, is a one-year time frame. But the initial work up front, the development part, the first three steps, is, is a fairly rapid uh, process, as I said, from six weeks, eight weeks, probably averages eight to ten weeks uh, um, for, for a given uh, manufacturing brand. Okay. And I noticed that in your deployment, and it's one of the things that we look at, you have public relations listed. How important is public relations for getting the messaging out? Public relations is a, is a great way to dialogue with um, – the the industry trade media and to put put forward and position uh, spokespersons and uh, thought experts around a given subject or topic um, the, uh, the 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 trade media in, in, in various um, manufacturing verticals is always interested to hear you know, stories from the industry and 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 using um, PR in, in the form often of, of storytelling. Uh, has been very effective to getting the brand agenda across, um, utilizing and leveraging um, the, the the industry's uh, trade media, who again are are always uh, receptive. Uh, you know, if, if a story is thoughtful and well written and and can uh, can create value for their audiences, uh, they typically will look look favorably and give give some some publishing or some quotes or some other recognition to the editorial. So it's, it's an important a- component. Is there a particular story experience that sticks out in your mind over the years that you've been doing this that you can share with our listeners so they get kind of a little better feel for what it is you do and and what the, what the outcome is like? So a um, like a, a a case study. Okay, exactly. Okay. Okay. So a um, a recent. Um, uh, uh, Brand that we um, we worked on um, is a company um, uh, based in Branchburg, New Jersey, called Minilex, and uh, Minilex is a producer of custom miniature aluminum extrusions, and they are actually uh, the they were they were founded uh, I think 53 years ago and are now in the third generation the third generation is just starting to enter their their ranks so three generations of of, uh, of, of a family uh, business uh, currently involved in the business. Um, they had um, been um, rolling along through very, um, uh, very, I would say, very traditional channels of, of media outreach for their brand, and they really were not paying attention to it. And I had uh, met them, uh, the, the folks involved in this company, some years ago, and they um, elected to... Um, engage in our process and we started with them probably around this time last year and we really um, took them down the, the path of, of brand and giving them an understanding of um, of what what brand did and we went down the, uh, the, the the journey with them and established a uh, brand position and message around um, around partnerships so Minilex the brand statement became manufacturing precision partnerships 
And what we help them unearth through our process is that everything about Minilex, um, both internally and externally, is all about these long-standing, high-value relationships so or partnerships, both within the company with with multiple generations working in partnership with how they work with their suppliers in partnership with how they work with their customers and across long-term partnerships. So we helped them establish that positioning. And then through the deployment, we went to more of a digital-based deployment. They were, they were working more through traditional media still. So we took them to more of a, a digital deployment uh, method. And the feedback um, has been that the results have been phenomenal. Uh, in fact, um, our, our key contact at Middle X uh, used the word like night and day comparing last year to this year in terms of the quality of engagement, the quality of lead generation that we've been able to affect, and the, the general feedback uh, from the industry about how the brand is now positioned uh, across the board, just, just high, high marks. Um, so it was a very, uh, been a very positive relationship so far, and um, we're, we're already talking about uh, going to the next level in, in 2018. Are your uh, relationships uh, basically an ongoing, or is it a one-time fix and give me the check and I'm down the road? <laughs> it really <laughs> depends on how the branding question is uh, configured. So, if um, uh, so, we're we're about to start working with with one brand that has a very extensive um, internal um, uh, marketing department. Uh, however, they are looking to. Um, more strategically message their position around sustainability. So they're coming to us as an outside provider to work on essentially their sustainability um, uh, offering brand. Uh, so that that is functioning more as a, as a project. And then there's companies like um, Minilex and many others who um, essentially adopt us as part of their marketing team. And we go forward and support them through engagement and deployment of the brand uh, on, an, on an ongoing basis. Uh, so, so it depends on really how they're structured. If, if they have some internal marketing competencies that they want to leverage, that's one thing. But many of them, especially in the small and mid-sized manufacturing organizations, aren't structured that way. So they're, 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 they're tending to utilize us as an outsourced um, marketing department. And we do have a staff of 11 people here, so we can function in that capacity. For yeah, our guests. Go ahead, Tim. Go ahead, Lou. I was just going to say for our guests who have joined the show late, uh, I'd like you to repeat your website uh, address and, if you wish, an email address. Sure. Uh, the website is www.delianet.com, D-E-L-I-A-N-E-T.com. And uh, folks are always uh, free to reach out to me directly at edelia at delianet.com. And I note on your website, a uh, startling statement, a very impressive statement, 300-plus brands launched and counting, but the one that really grabs my eye is 100% clients completely satisfied. We are very proud of that statistic. Uh, we I have bet. not had a client go through our process that has not, the CEO has not said, we love it and we love the result. Uh, so we're very proud of that, and we work very hard to maintain that, and a lot of that comes with uh, really um, knowing what our process can do, knowing when it's a good fit, and when we are relevant to the brand in question. So uh, there are times when, um, uh, for, for, for various reasons, we may elect not to engage in our process, So, and it's typically if we, for whatever reason, don't have conviction in the brand. 
So if we don't believe in it, how how could we do great work? Uh, so there are times when we may we may pass on an assignment just because for for various reasons we don't have conviction in in, in the brand uh, uh, or, or what we could do for the brand. So we maintain a high level of uh, of of delight, um, but we we work hard to earn it, and we also are are very smart about uh, uh, pinpointing and picking the engagements where we can truly deliver great work and deliver a great result. Yeah, we may have to talk to you after the show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ed, your your brand launch and ongoing support, you have a list of of things that you are involved with. Are those actually services that you provide? Yes. Yes. So uh, as I referenced, our team of 11 here Essentially, uh, each each person has an area of expertise, whether it be search, creative, web development, uh, visual arts, um, PR and logistics, trade show marketing, uh, and and the like. So uh, we have a team of, um, uh, of of people that specialize in um, uh, various uh, competencies and that that uh, and work together in an integrated fashion to deliver um, the brand uh, uh, cohesively. Uh, but across all relevant uh, marketing channels. And we do keep uh, all of the work in-house um, because we are very concerned, just like our clients are, about quality control. So we don't, we don't outsource uh, much of anything um, if we can help it because we want to, uh, to keep a, a tight handle on the control of, of the quality of the brand and the consistent uh, expression of the brand. And those things that you would implement, you have actually discovered and defined in a previous stage so that the client fully understands what you're about to deploy. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. They're, they are um, in, the, in the differentiate phase. That's really their preview of the brand uh, before it's about to, to launch. So that's an opportunity for them to say, okay, this is who we're going to be and this is how we're going to express it internally and externally to all stakeholders that are relevant to this particular brand. And that's their opportunity, again, to see, okay, this is what we're, you know, how we're going to walk and talk and who we're going to be and uh, um, before before we, we take the next uh, steps. So, again, it's a journey, and they are involved in, in each step of that journey. So, really, when we get to the end, we, we um, there, there's no, there's no, I mean, there's there's a there's no surprises. They they mm-hmm. they they are they're, we we want we want to walk the path with them because we believe that's the best route to authenticity. Uh, we want them to be part of the process because ultimately, the best brands in the world are authentic and true to themselves, and they're not trying to pretend or be something that they're not. Um, when that happens, uh, that's a sure recipe for brand failure, quite honestly. And we've seen many failures. Um, because of that. <laughs> well, this is a fascinating discussion. If you've got anything else that you want to run by Ed, I'm uh, I'm thrilled with what we've heard. Lou, you still with us? Oh, and yes, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my earpiece went off for a moment. Uh, what do you have new coming up for uh, 2018? in terms of uh, trends? Do you at all change your, your, your methodology uh, based on uh, what's going on in the marketplace? Well, in terms of uh, 
2018, as far as uh, Delia Associates goes, we're we're working on a um, um, internally we're working on a digital brand management platform to help our clients um, manage brand assets um, uh, more more efficiently. As far as the trends that we're watching, there's there's a number of of trends that uh, we believe um, are um, are going to be impactful in the in the year uh, ahead. And uh, and I'll be very honest. Um, when it comes to, to uh, picking trends and spotting trends, I'm good at spotting trends. I'm lousy at predicting precisely when they're going to take hold. Um, so I'm usually off by by a few years. Um, and I'll, I'll quote uh, a great Yankee, uh, Yogi Berra, it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. But um, <laughs> here goes. I, I, I'd say um, um, we're going to see more and more manufacturing brands get on the uh, the emotional side of the brain, uh, we're going to continue to see more and more what I'm going to call personnel or employee-focused branding to inspire people to stay and to inspire people to come join the manufacturing organization. And we're also seeing a new twist on an old vehicle, the branded um, magazine. So we're seeing manufacturers go back to the branded magazine. So a, a company has their own published magazine that they might publish once or twice a year, except now they're just doing it in a digital format. So that's kind of a twist on an old uh, vehicle for really for storytelling and giving um, giving a broader array of uh, a roundup of what's going on in the brand. So that's something that we're, we're we're kind of watching that that trend come back and seeing some some relevance to that. Um, I think you're going to see uh, social media become more foundational for the manufacturing brand. So it's going to be um, we often say that um, uh, the virtual world follows the real world. So just as sometimes. You'll see at, say, a manufacturing uh, industry trade show. Um, if somebody's not attending, they're, they're, they're conspicuous by their absence, right? And everybody's going to talk about, gosh, why weren't they here this year? You're going to start to see the same uh, type of mentality around social media. So if a manufacturing brand is not engaged in social media, well, where are they? Why are they absent? They must not be doing well, right? So it's the same idea. Um, we're also watching... Um, manufacturing brands start to put more thoughtfulness in what I'm calling the full customer experience, not just, hey, goods were shipped on time, PO, okay, great, but really manage that entire customer experience as a, as a long uh, multidimensional relationship. Um, we're seeing um, augmented and virtual reality exploration um, on the manufacturing side more for um, training uh, purposes, but also a little bit on the um, the expression. So, um, uh, in lieu of uh, going to a trade show and bringing a huge piece of equipment that's going to take three or four engineers to set up, um, having a series of headsets where people can explore and experience a virtualized uh, environment of that equipment. Um, B2B e-commerce. Um, so, manufacturers that you know a few years ago, not too many said, "Well, we could never sell our stuff online," are now starting to sell their stuff online. Maybe not in total, but maybe parts or maybe components of what they offer online. So I think you're going to see a continuation of, of, of that um, and also um, um, marketing automation as, um, as, as manufacturing brands get more and more comfortable with um, the interconnectivity of, of, of digital communications, starting to automate some of those processes. Uh, through. Uh, so, so if a viewer lands on a certain landing page, uh, enters some information, they become part of, a, of an email drip campaign that's automated, that's already pre pre-programmed in uh, to, to deploy to them. So we're going to start to see some of that adoption as well. And those are a few of the top-line trends. I, I have a favorite saying, either do it now or do it later, or you won't be doing it at all. And that 
to me has always meant a lot that you have to uh, absorb what's going on in the marketplace um, and buy into it because you don't want to be the last one there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we have a saying, too, uh, for manufacturers, take time now so you don't have time later. Because if all you have is time <laughs> later, then something went terribly wrong. <laughs> well, that sounds almost similar to mine, so uh, we're on the same wavelength. Uh, Tim? Uh, Ed, I, I won't ask you about cost. I know that it's going to be some from from some number to some number, depending on the engagement. So, you know, we can leave that alone unless you want to share uh, something along those lines with our listeners. It's all very expensive. <laughs> no, I, it really it varies uh, based on the the size and scope of the engagement. Um, uh, so, so it really, uh, it really, uh, that is somewhat. Um, so the core process is the same, but the number of instruments um, involved for a particular brand is a variable. So it would be a little irresponsible just to throw out throw out cost. Right. And are you located in where in New Jersey? Yet you travel all over. We are in. Uh, we are based in White House, New Jersey, uh, which is in Hunterdon County, and uh, we have clients though. Uh, yeah, I mean, all over the U.S., uh, Canada, Europe. Um, so um, we do uh, we do uh, travel around a bit. Uh, although there is such a, um, a, a solid concentration of manufacturing on the East Coast here, so uh, not surprising, a lot of our clients are based in the tri-state. Mm-hmm. Well, Ed, I'm. I'm uh, really excited about everything we've heard. This is some terrific information. You've obviously put together a very innovative process. Congratulations on getting a patent on it, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you. That That's very impressive to uh, actually get one of those nailed down. Not so easy to do. No, it wasn't. But uh, but it was a great uh, a great tribute to uh, the process and the team, uh, and we're very we're certainly very. Uh, uh, proud of that, and uh, and we're, we're very excited uh, about um, uh, both this year and the, and the year ahead. And uh, uh, you know, the manufacturing, uh, working with manufacturing is, is such a love because we see our process as something of a manufacturing. We're manufacturing a brand, you know. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of times the manufacturers we work with, they they kind of get it. They understand process very well. Um, they and and they are they are you know I, I can't speak highly enough of the manufacturing uh, the, the the talent we work with they are truly some really remarkable bright people that come up with some really innovative solutions on how they they bring their products and processes uh, to bear it's really amazing to watch them think and watch them uh, work uh, and they know their products so intimately well they, they but they do sometimes struggle when it comes to expression and brand and that's really where we fit in nicely uh, to their to their need set. Absolutely, uh, Lou. Anything else you want to uh, chat with Ed on before we wrap this up? In a great segment. No, I already have his phone number for us to call him later. <laughs> uh, so uh, we we may just uh, take you up on that uh, a future conversation. Wonderful. And I, wonderful. I want to thank want to thank you for being on the show, and I hope you get some feedback from our audience. And uh, perhaps we'll have you on the show at some point in the future and keep us posted as to what's happening in manufacturing. Absolutely. That would be great. And thank you both so much. It was truly a pleasure to be speaking with you today. 
Well, thank Ed, you. Thank you. And we would love to hear back from you. We've been speaking with Ed Delia, who is president of Delia Associates, in a terrific segment about uh, brand, his brand leadership solution that they have a patent on. We encourage all of our listeners to run this one back and forth a couple of times. There's a lot of information here. And then get a hold of those, these folks at DeliaNet.com. Thanks for listening to this segment. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.